0: Junior,
1: he catch he did. Hello, everyone, welcome back to RotoViz Overtime on RotoViz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined as always by Sean Siegel, one of the co owners at RotoViz, co host of this show, along with the Stealing Bananas podcast with Ben Gretsch. Sean, these shows have been a huge amount of fun to do, really really fun getting to know some more about you and i'm sure the listeners are enjoying hearing those stories as well there's been some fun jokes along the way as well and i'm sure those jokes as we have seen on some of the most recent Rotoviz ot shows will start to almost become inside jokes (laughs) as we move forward here but looking forward to diving into this one i did tease at the end of the last bonus show that we were going to talk maybe about some Irish drinks we are going to talk about some food as well, uh, I think on this episode. So, so it should be a, a delicious episode, I guess we'll say.
2: It will be. And uh, Column, you and I had talked a little bit about the fact that my family originally comes from Ireland. And I went and chatted with my mom a little bit to find out when we thought that that would have happened. And I, I was kind of thinking that maybe the potato famine time period, and you had, had mentioned right away that that was 1840s. I think it was actually 1880s that they came over. Obviously, Uh, the potato famine didn't end the time periods in Ireland where you know there would have been difficulties for people to where immigration might have occurred. And then one of the other things that you and I had talked a little bit about was you know some of the political strife that continues to be an element of of life there in Ireland. There is a new movie out here in the U.S. that is. Getting great reviews and uh, entitled Belfast, it discusses or it focuses on sort of a a young boy's I wouldn't say journey, but this time period in the 1960s, there in the capital of Northern Ireland, where quite a bit of, of tumult still in terms of the different political things that are happening, the relationship of Ireland with England. Obviously, I mean, you've mentioned to me several times that Ireland is a, a relatively small island. And so even though Ireland and Northern Ireland are different political entities, it, it's just this this one island, right? And so, I mean, you had have had some experiences where even just journeying a little bit north, some different things have occurred. And I thought it was sort of interesting maybe some of these moments that even though you know obviously with 9/11 some of these things you know, it's not that the US has not had some attacks but there in Ireland some of these things are are a little bit more almost embedded in the fabric. Is that a, a appropriate way to say it or what are some of the experiences that you've had that you're comfortable talking about?
1: Um, I would say that it's uh, it's definitely a small, island like when you look at it as a like an island i guess um like you can get from the very top to the very bottom in about seven hours and that's like really really at the top and really really at the bottom so like for i'm i'm in the northwest i can get there in say seven hours pretty pretty easily down to cork which will be at the bottom Um, if we look though at like east to west you're probably looking at like two hours in terms of width so if you like think about that compared to like any of the US states or even any of the US kind of larger cities like there's some of them would be in that that size and then you're looking at kind of it obviously fluctuates but you're looking at kind of 4 to 5 million people I believe in terms of how many people live on the island so comparing that again to other geographic locations or to the US cities for example like that probably doesn't seem that big when you hear the numbers and then there is probably probably a fifth round about a fifth to a quarter and i could anyone that's listening in northern ireland that i'm completely wrong on that it's not my strong suit in terms of the population sizes but would be based in northern ireland where i where i live um i can be in northern ireland in probably definitely less than 45 minutes so it's like relatively close and like in my youth that wouldn't have been something that you probably would have done um as comfortably as you would now in terms of like driving across the border now I'm at an age where I'm kind of relative I won't say lucky but it hasn't been as uh, I guess highly charged um, from when I've been kind of like a teenager onwards whereas like for my parents age and when this film uh, would have been set which is the the 1960s um, it would have been a lot more challenging with I guess life in general and the the challenges so they come up against so i'm glad that we're beyond that time but there is still times where it does kind of rise to the surface quite largely and i guess things like uh brexit may have increased that like there is a border between northern ireland and republic of ireland but at the moment it's kind of like a like it's a border that's not really there like you can go in and out through it whereas in the 70s 80s and 90s you would have had to go through borders where the UK police or Northern Ireland police or Irish army would have been manning those borders so a lot more um, I guess like I I have memories as a child of like being on say a bus and driving through a checkpoint with like policemen with machine guns lying at the side of the road like when you're going through a checkpoint so but again I'm saying I'm probably coming from a fortunate spot Um, and a lot of people obviously unfortunately would have lost their lives over different times over different things so um, I hope that it it keeps moving in the right direction. Sometimes there's little blips um, that, that happen, but um, it can be it's, it's something that's very unfortunate. I hope that we we keep moving forward But all countries all locations will have those things. I think because Ireland is a smaller nation It can be amplified But it also is because the stuff that happens can be be pretty bad as well so Hopefully we're we're moving in the right direction. But I am looking forward to to seeing the film. I haven't got to see it yet. The reviews have been very, very high. Um, so looking forward to seeing that. And I don't think I've mentioned this on a previous show, but if anyone is interested in like a a comedy that um is set during that time and a lot of it's set kind of in the age when I would have been young, um in in the nineties, kind of um is Derry Girls. It's a, a series that came out maybe Maybe four years ago, five years ago now, but there's a couple of seasons of it. But it's it's very interesting. I'd also be interested if any people in the US watch it or have watched it as to how did it translate. I'm guessing there's parts of it that there probably doesn't make a lot of sense, um, because just of the maybe the language used or the the dialect used. But yeah, Sean, um I, I think I count myself lucky again not to not to, that it's not the way it was previously. So hopefully, hopefully we can stay in a, a good situation.
2: Yeah, it does seem like things have, have moved in a very positive direction there. And for any listeners, we, we would love to get some feedback on Dairy Girls. I believe that one is on Hulu uh, here in the US. So check that out. Give us some feedback. Colm really likes that one. And Colm, you want to uh, cover some of these Irish beers that people are so excited about yeah I,
1: do. I I think that there's one in particular and one of the reasons um, i actually posted a, a picture on twitter a couple of weeks back and um there guinness is like the i guess i'll say the the national drink i guess in terms of alcohol um there is lots of irish drink obviously the irish are, are known for alcohol i suppose um and many many instances across the world um but guinness would be the national drink but i actually there's a new device that guinness about that you put on top of a specifically designed guinness can where you can guinness is a specific drink where for any of the listeners who have have drank previously it's meant to be poured till it's about probably five six full so there's not fill to the top you let it settle and then you pour the rest and fill it up to the top so it's kind of a, a unique drink i don't know that that happens with too many different beverages um that come out of a tap but um so it is a device that you put on the can that's meant to make it as good as you get in a, a a bar or a pub so i actually got to test it out recently and uh it took quite a while they've, they've sold out all of these devices in Ireland at the moment but um i have to say it was pretty good it's probably 75 percent to the the real thing but guinness is something that I, i've mentioned moving to australia for a while on a couple of these shows when i was in australia Maybe it was the sentimentality of it or something like that but used to go to irish bars once a week on a sunday um to maybe go get some like they did kind of traditional irish kind of foods so in that situation they also served irish drinks they served guinness it wasn't a drink i had ever drank before that but when i was away i was like i'll try and drink one and then i would go the next week and i'd be like i'll try and drink two so i kept building up and eventually over the last probably five or six years i've kind of built up that now i do really enjoy the taste of the drink and i think that sometimes happens with irish alcohols you have to kind of <laughs> you have to go through the pain before you do start to kind of become uh, acclimatized uh, to the taste but yeah so um guinness is a drink that i i really do enjoy obviously um with the pandemic we've had long periods where irish pubs were completely closed that they they weren't allowed to open so the, this was kind of a, a solution, I guess, that might have been put in place. So my question, Sean, to you is uh, Guinness related. Is that, have you ever tried Guinness? Is that something you've ever tried?
2: I I haven't had too much. I This is sort of a, a good news, bad news story here. Maybe it's a little bit of the Irish influence, but I do have some alcoholism in my family tree and so I I sort of abstain to try and avoid getting down that path which obviously can be you know pretty sort of life and family destroying if if it gets too far and and because of the potential for some of the genetic things and some of the behavioral things I mean Colin I'm completely and totally addicted to diet soda to where you know I try and stop every once in a while and can't so I mean, that's almost certainly worse for you health wise than the alcohol is. And and I can't stop that. But so, so yeah, so I don't, but it's always kind of fun to hear these tales, especially again, from the the Irish public houses and the pubs and all of that history there. So interesting to hear that you're building up your tolerance for uh, these sort of Irish signature drinks.
1: Yeah, it, sound, it really does sound bad when I, I put it that way, but yeah, probably relatively true story. I, I also do agree with you, Sean, in terms of um, alcohol and, and coming from the background of, um, you know, working in that environment, you do see a lot of stuff that obviously you mentioned can be uh, family, can be life-destroying, can be life-altering and things like that. So it is something that I, I take very serious in terms of, like, and if anyone did have problems with that, I, I always think, that should get support and and help for that. Um it is something that's quite severe. And the other part of that I mentioned on the recent show, uh working in like betting shops and bookmaking shops, and that there's also something that there can be a lot of trouble with. And it also can be something that gets combined together a lot, which is always very sad to see. So having worked in those environments, that is something that um is always in the back of my mind when it comes to those things. So I, I definitely would agree there.
0: Hey, Rotoviz radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're gonna save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Sean,
1: I did mention um, some food, some Irish foods that I tried. Um, I'm interested to see what, outside of potatoes, is there anything else that you would think is a distinctly Irish food?
2: Well, I guess... I mean, we we have kind of this sort of Irish food and, and German food tradition and kind of the other side of things. But when I was able to visit London and some of the areas there in England a while back, I mean, it, it's, it's always kind of funny because you hear about the English food being so terrible. And so, I mean, do you there in Ireland feel like, you know, those guys are completely separate? Our food traditions are a lot better. The other thing that I somehow feel like is is tied up in this a little bit and maybe this isn't true maybe you can disabuse me of this notion we have kind of some of these boiled vegetables it's like i mean i'm thinking like you know carrots and cabbage and you know some like meat stew and that is perhaps not super appealing
1: (laughs) that's not something that you're looking forward to talking into you know
2: No, the the boiled cabbage is is not the direction that I'm normally looking to go in. (laughs)
1: Um, In terms of like a very traditional Irish uh, food is uh, bacon and cabbage, which is like um, ham that would be like boiled and the cabbage is often boiled with the ham to flavor the cabbage, for example. It's like a, a lot of Irish dishes tend to be one pot dishes. So like get everything into the one pot and It'll all Boiling. mix into a flavor. Yeah, basically. So a big, a, a big advancement in technology in Ireland in terms of cooking that I can remember is when we, I just call the it steamer. It's like you know where the water is below next container where the the veg, like you know the steam comes up and cooks the veg rather than the water boils all the flavor out of the veg and then makes the veg soggy. So the steamer uh, is something that I think has helped a lot of cooking in Ireland in terms of. Um, you can have carrots now that aren't waterlogged. Um, you can kind of have the, you know, so that has helped a lot. Um, that's a device, obviously, that we would use a lot for for our cooking. I am a bit, or I'll go back for, sorry, to the question of the English food. I think there's a lot of similarities in, in Ireland and England in terms of the the food types. And uh, there's a lot of the English food that I really, really enjoy. So I would say they're very similar, and I, I wouldn't really have a preference one or the other, but there's a huge amount of similarities um, with slight tailoring to them one thing i don't think english uh food gets enough credit for and look i might be wrong on this one you go down deep into overall history but i think a lot of like indian cuisine that's at around the world outside of india is probably heavily influenced by the uk and i am a big big fan of um, indian food um i I really do enjoy it Um, so i have to always give them a couple of extra points for that but uh, in terms of I mentioned the one pot dish is something that, especially coming into the winter time now, that we do quite often is using like a, I guess you probably call the crock pot uh, might be the right word for it. It's like a, a I would call the slow cooker, um, but things like that. That's where like stew is a very popular thing, um, in terms of like a meat and veg and like a gravy or a, a you know a obviously i don't know what i'm sure gravy is still gravy when you're in the u.s but um that along with usually potatoes so I, I did say at the start you couldn't mention potatoes but potatoes usually go with pretty much everything over here um but i would also say that something that i use like that crock pot for is i make chili quite often usually once every week or once every two weeks so i i kind of vary it up as to what we use that for but there's a lot of one pot dishes so I'll prep the stuff the night before, get up in the morning, put it on, work throughout the day. For the listeners, again, I mentioned this on the previous show, so I'm working throughout the day. and Then I usually, once we finish that, me and Sean jump on to record podcasts. So it's very convenient to have that one pot dish on the, you know, Tuesdays and Wednesdays when we're recording. So when you finish, it's kind of like we're almost there rather than starting from scratch. So that's one of my... uh, Things that helps me throughout the week to be able to fit in as much as I I do fit in, but yeah.
2: So the big development here is the carrots are no longer soggy. Is what I'm taking from you. That's
1: the main thing. Yeah.
2: It. uh, For the cabbage column, I think the cabbage is probably intended only to be used fresh in fish tacos. Otherwise, that's a little bit of a problem. You mentioned the the Indian food, and that's a a cool note there Uh, on that trip in part because the english restaurants were maybe a little bit less of a target we did stop at a lot of places that were making indian food and uh people may or may not know but exactly like you're saying i think that london and then england the uk has the reputation as having the best indian food outside of india which is i think
1: think in case there's people in the uk listen i think manchester is another area i think that has heavily influenced that Uh, i could be wrong again but this is going from my limited knowledge
2: yeah, and, and it's just absolutely fantastic, right? Enjoyed all of that. I I can't. It's one of those things where you, you know try and remember back. I'm not sure how much Indian food I would have had before that trip, but it's something that I have you know almost weekly here now. And my favorite restaurant in Tucson uh, is the India Twist, and it, it's just fantastic food. You you can't can't get enough of it.
1: We can we can't bypass that, Sean, without going to your go to. But I want to check: is this something that fits in? In the UK, in particular, um, doesn't happen very often in Ireland. Usually, when I'm getting my takeout, or like it's often takeaway or takeout, and um, I'll I'll go for lamb. Lamb's obviously something very popular in Ireland, so lamb and curries is one of my go tos. Um, I just think you get more flavour in that than and through a you know chicken in general. But in the UK, and when I was in Australia, it was more popular to be able to get goat curry oh really have you had goat before goat if it's on a menu and it's usually something that'll be a special where it's like cooked you know for 24 hours no slow cooked, and like it's obviously one of those meats where it needs to be given time but if you have the time it's like delicious but yeah it's very similar to lamb but just a little bit stronger flavor but yeah if i if i'm in the uk and it's on the menu there's a good chance that's my go-to meat have you a go-to meat uh
2: Well, that sounds fantastic. We had talked on one of the earliest shows in terms of last meal that lamb chops would be on there for me. And, you know, the lamb was basically, you know, hamburger with taste. And (laughs) so, yeah, I mean, I love it. The lamb masala is fantastic. If you have kind of uh, more spirit to you, if you can fight through the tears rolling down the cheeks, then obviously you want to get the lamb vindaloo. But yeah, the lamb dishes are extraordinary.
1: Yeah, no, I, I love. I usually sit in the the middle of the kind of spices. I I don't mind hot hot food, but I also think that sometimes you suffer for the hot hot food for a little bit. <laughs> Could be a few days after it sometimes.
2: But we well, had the great scene in, in Ted Lasso with with that as well, so yeah. that kind of fits in.
1: Yeah, and uh, so, but I'm I'm quite lucky myself. And my wife, uh, when we get it, we usually like we have kind of we'll go for like one kind of medium heat and one kind of lower heat dish and we kind of share them so it's kind of like a, a cheat code for for those meals but yeah um, really really enjoy uh, the, the local place that we go here does its own kind of I guess it's their house special type of of curry it's called a railway curry but it's it's quite a little bit of heat in it but um, actually side note on it it actually has potatoes on it as well <laughs> but uh very small amounts but um yeah really enjoy that so yeah Indian food getting a, a big shout out here on the show um I'm looking through Sean the questions we're on the food structure we have a lot of different questions so I'm trying to keep them themed I guess um I mentioned goat there um is there a strangest food that you've ever eaten something that sticks out in your mind has been very unique while have you on the spot and you're thinking of it I'll give you mine because i'm very sure of the one that i would think of is um again a lot of this was on my travels um when i was in uh when i was in australia um <laughs> up in cairns we kind of went on a, a trip around the uh great we went like to the great barrier reef and kind of snorkeling and things like that but one of the places we had up there had um had crocodile on the the menu so there was like different types they had like crocodile like done in like a bread crumb crocodile done in a batter just on its own on this kind of platter and we thought we would try it so that's one of the probably up there with like i can't see it being served in in ireland anytime soon anyway but it was it was very unique and and quite nice
2: (laughs) that does sound interesting mine isn't going to be anything special for any of our listeners who actually have had a lot of crazy foods. This is a little bit more mainstream, but the other kind of dish that I learned about and then learned that I loved in on that trip through England was calamari. And so obviously oh, you get it so all the time and it's got that, I mean, you think squid and you're like, that would be creepy, but no, I mean, it's, it's absolutely perfect in terms of the the flesh and the saltiness and all the different tastes there. There's a, a great uh, Spanish tapas restaurant here in Tucson. And one of the items on the menu that you can get and kind of share with the table or whatnot is the sort of squid in its own ink, right? And so instead of the sort of beautiful breaded, you instead you, you got the, the little white guys with the tentacles swimming around and all this black stuff. And you're like, I don't know if that's going to be as good. And I don't know if it was quite as good, but it was still a lot of fun. We, so we, we shared around, everybody has the squid, They've got the ink, and then you know people are smiling at each other. Everybody looks like uh, they have just become some kind of undead zombie with the smiles. They got the black in between all of the teeth everywhere, and so you know it's a little bit of an unusual deal to be to be sitting there at the table with all of your friends, and and people have the black oozing everywhere. So that gets a little bit of a chuckle, but the squid in its own ink would be one of the things that pops to mind for that category.
1: Yeah. I don't think I've had it ever in its own ink, but um, uh, calamari, if you get
2: that and it
1: is, you know, if you get it nice and crispy and it's done right, it is up there with like, I have certain things when I go into a restaurant, I mentioned if I go to an Indian restaurant and it has goat on it, that's a go-to. It's very hard for me to pass up some of the seafood dishes that be, you know, as a, a kind of a entree or a starter, um in ireland we talked about some kind of traditional foods things like mussels you know like shellfish there's lots of popular shellfish dishes um here obviously we're on an island so there's lots of fish dishes but um yeah shellfish like mussels for example or crab claws is something that i really like um but uh one that i don't really like is oysters not a big fan of the old oysters but um those other ones and usually they're ones that i like like i mentioned mussels like i mentioned crab claws it's usually because they are like just swimming in garlic butter or or something like that but yeah a big fan of the shellfish so I can't and uh, obviously the calamari isn't a shellfish but um yeah some nice some nice seafood is something that i really do go for Sean we're getting kind of into the later stages of this one but I know that we did some quotes well mainly you did some quotes on one of the, the opening episodes that we've done for this series I think this is number five that we're doing today but there was a lot of positive feedback on the quotes you gave so I think what we'll do is we'll do a quote we'll do some one more question before we finish up and then we'll do another quote because I know you have a lot of quotes I think we'll we'll save a quote kind of for the end of each of these shows that should be our our kind of style moving forward but the floor is yours sean hit me with hit me with your quote i was going to say your quote of the week but we're going to have two of these so quote one of two
2: yeah we had the the quote from richard russo's book straight man a while back that one is one of my favorites that i mention quite a bit for longtime readers of the site they'll know that especially in the early years there i had a lot of rosencrantz and gildenstern are dead quotes up in the articles obviously that a play by tom stoppard and so i kind of wanted to, to bring it back for that and anyone who has joined us in the last couple of years would get a little bit of a, a feel for the the flair of of some of his language and and how that filters in and informs you know in some ways some of the stuff that we do uh, ben and i actually have a team with a name that comes out of this quote, and so uh, these guys are along on their journey there as they're trying to figure out, you know, what they've been pulled into as side characters in Hamlet, and so they they run across this group of traveling performers who are explaining like what they do, what their sort of school is uh, as a drama troupe, and and their quote that, that I always loved. I think you can pull a lot of stuff out of is They say, "We're more of the love, blood, and rhetoric school." Well, we can do you blood and love without the rhetoric, and we can do you blood and rhetoric without the love, and we can do you all three concurrent or consecutive, but we can't give you love and rhetoric without the blood. Blood is compulsory.
1: That reminds me, I can't remember which, it was one of your opening kind of Monday pieces, I believe, to the season. There was a reference to blood in that as well, but I can't think back to what it was, but there was, (laughs) is there a tie-in with blood?
2: I think I just titled that one "Blood is Compulsory" because I like to. Uh, uh, and is that, that from? There.
1: So that's from the the same quote.
2: It is. It is, and so we get that from time to time. I, it, when we talk about the shows, when we talk about how to build plot, how to build character, how to understand, you know, how, how these things are working together, that's something that you know is valuable to remember. Uh, you can do all those other elements in different combinations. You can do them concurrent. You can do them consecutively. But you always want to come back around blood is compulsory.
1: That's good. Um I'm quite uh I'm quite impressed that I remember back to that. But <laughs> it was uh, some some of the I sometimes reading through them. You mentioned uh, about kind of the the writing background and um reading through the pieces. I'm sure all the listeners agree there's obviously a great kind of true piece of that. So um good good stuff. I, I like when it ties in then to some of these quotes as well it's gonna be good we'll have to keep an eye out the listeners are gonna have to spot check to see if they can pick out what articles maybe they've seen some of these in in the past but before we get to the next quote sean a question did come in around board games or computer games um is there any games currently or in the past that uh, you would have grown up or currently play Uh, i'm not a big board game player i guess i would say i enjoy playing them but it's not something that i i do regularly it's usually around the holidays one of my favorite kind of games which isn't a board game is uh i really enjoy pictionary is one that I, I enjoy a lot i think you if you get a group together it can be a lot of fun to just gets everyone kind of chuckling and laughing so that can be a, a lot of fun uh, but again holiday times but um computer games is something that has vanished out of my life I I absolutely love computer games I when I was for my teenage years probably addicted to playing computer games mainly uh soccer games um I guess back played Madden for quite some time around those times as well but a lot of sports games and probably that was prior to the kind of influx of kind of uh, warfare games not that that's currently on the market um so i kind of probably just missed out i did have some of those like call of duty and things like that but was qu- not quite as popular as it has, those things have, have become now but a lot of sports content along the way of my computer gaming but um obviously i still have a, a ps4 but I, I joke with people um i, I i've built the new house i've shown some people around the house there's these cabinets below uh the system where it's built in and every time i'll say like oh these are the doors and they're kind of like push button doors i'm always kind of quite pleased to show people how they work and then they'll say oh you have a playstation and i'll be like i've never turned it on since we moved into the house so it's like there and and purpose only so having a a three-year-old will limit your your playstation playing time i guess you know that's something I would rather do the podcast than play the PlayStation, would probably be the outcome there. But um, yeah, eventually I would like to get back into it and I would love to eventually have a, a PS5, um, but it, there might be a PS6 out by the time <laughs> by the time I get that opportunity. Uh, Sean, any games or board games that, that are uh, that you want to talk about?
2: Well, the first thing I kind of want to ask for help from the listeners right? I've got myself a new gaming laptop and I'm looking to get into doing some of these things. Now, when I was on the mailbag with Mike Randall earlier in the year, and we were kind of talking about, you know, what is the sort of transcendent video game or the video game that you remember from growing up that uh, sticks with you the most, sort of the favorite game. And I mentioned Contra and obviously Contra (laughs) comes from a while back. Right. And so, one of the things that i think is interesting is that you there's a bunch of research out suggesting that the gaming is really good for your brain and so in addition to the fun element of it i'm attracted to that uh, i'm hoping to to learn a couple of, of languages uh, over the next couple of years as well i have some family who uh, speak spanish and would like to be able to do that i i
1: I thought you were gonna say we were going to break the podcast into the Spanish market. No. Mm-hmm.
2: There you go. There you go. We gotta we gotta keep keep moving there. And then Arabic is another language that I would like to learn. And so try and do some of those things. But yeah, I mean, if you can make the excuse I'm going to play video games in order to uh, keep my brain sharp and, and develop some more neurons and, and how quickly everything fires, then, then you're perfect, right? Nobody can argue against that. So if there are listeners out there who are big into gaming, who know exactly you know what I should play, what makes the most sense to get addicted to, to, to develop uh, competency you know, and what, what's sort of the most fun, what I need, uh, how to go about that, then definitely send in those suggestions so that I can uh, really develop that gaming element there and, and get my brain firing on all cylinders. Colin, board games is something that I have mentioned on the various shows from time to time, because I do think that there is this element in fantasy football, where if you are thinking about the game in more than the very straightforward way, of playing it with the projections and then playing the top projected player and going through on your drafts and drafting, you know, whomever has the highest VBD score at that point. You know, one of the reasons why I think that we've had some of these breakthroughs with RotoViz and have been able to help listeners and readers understand some of the things they might do with structural drafting, with contingency-based drafting, uh, one of the reasons why we encourage people to try new things, even if they're not always successful, is because there are other elements that you can bring in and make you a much better fantasy football player than if you approach it from a very narrow uh, perspective, whether that narrow perspective is sort of a reality football perspective or that perspective is sort of the, the narrowest um, you know, draft, the, the best guy by BBD kind of approach that doesn't mean that there aren't very strong elements to those parts and one of the things that we talk about on the shows too is that reality football matters the quality of players matters it matters more than i think people realize right but playing some of these games i think is really good from a a thought perspective so i get you know more kind of brain exercises and brain exercises that are a lot of thought and so i just to mention a few in case you know anybody is interested you know you can go in onto the site board game geek and see what all the top ranked games are in different categories some of my personal favorites are terra mystica uh, it's currently the number 17 ranked game power grid is number 48 race for the Gra- galaxy number 67 lords of water deep which has this uh great strategy element but also sort of a, a cool story element to it is number 77 imperial 2030 for those people who can find uh anybody else to spend four or five six hours with them and then the one that in some ways I think is the coolest because you can build sort of your own landscapes, your own game boards with castles, with uh, mountains, with streams, forests. And then you have sort of these 3D characters with dragons and, and then a wide range of characters with different powers. And then, you know, you have this um, element where, all of the characters have different strengths and weaknesses, different ways that they can attack, but then you have sort of the 3D element of it where you know you have the dragons and the ninja and the different you know ogres and, and all of these different characters on a an actual board that you've built. Uh and you know, you have to be able to have line of sight, you have to be able to do these different things in order to attack, to defend. And you know, I, I played a lot of this with my brother who has better sort of spatial, I don't know if reasoning is the right word, but I, I played this game called deflection with him, which is basically like chess with mirrors, right? Where you have these little layers, you, you have a laser on your side. Uh, they have a laser on their side and you make a move and then you fire the laser and it goes off of the different mirrors. And if you hit any, mirror to where kind of the back two sides of it so it's kind of a shape like a triangle um, then you'll knock those pieces off the board so if you move your guys in the right in the wrong way then you know <laughs> you end up killing your own pieces but you're trying to move so that you can you know hit with the laser you know your opponent's guys and i don't know he, he was just too good right we, we played for a long time it was fairly even and then he would get like further and further ahead of me and so you know when it stops being competitive <laughs> it stops being quite as interesting But played that a lot with him as well, and that was obviously obviously a great challenge for me because any of these games that have a spatial component, he's just so dominant on. But we had some epic battles there. I think it's fun to play a lot of these games because in so many of them, there is a probability element to it. And I think that the probability element of fantasy football is one that The more that you can embrace it, the more that it can become intuitive, the more that you can think about it in ways, uh, either in different ways or more accurately than your opponents, then the better your chance of winning. And it can be difficult to make some of that stuff intuitive, right? And so the more experience you have playing games where you're constantly having to work through the different scenarios in your mind and to kind of crunch the probabilities based on a lot of gameplay, then the better you're able to handle some of those elements when you bring them back to something like fantasy football. So number one, it's fun. Number two, it, it's, it's great for community. Number three, it's great for your brain. And then number four, I think it does make you a better fantasy football player.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I, the way you described those board games, I think I'm in those games. I think I'm definitely missing out. Uh, some of the other video games when you were talking about that, that reminded me of is my, you mentioned the Condor, my first, um, kind of, access to consoles was the sega mega drive so that that um was something that i never actually had one but a number of my friends had so i used to always be super jealous to try try and get over to their house to to play those but yeah um lots of fun so sean's looking for those um those kind of recommendations i guess for those games so send them probably best to send them to me because sean's not going to see them if you tweet them to him on on twitter uh but sean we did promise a second quote so you can help us uh, wrap this one up with uh, your second quote of the day.
2: Yeah, so this again will come from Rosencrantz and Gildesner are dead. If you haven't read the play, uh, you have to. I mean, it's the best thing that you'll read out there. You just start leafing through and quote after quote will, we'll, I mean, it'll just blow you away. But uh, this is one that I think is interesting on a, a variety of levels. And I'll I'll just read it and we'll, we'll kind of leave it at that. It's, It's got a playfulness, but it's also it has... A very serious sort of existential element to it but this is toward the end of the play Uh, they're starting to be concerned that maybe they're not going to make it that maybe you know as minor characters (laughs) you often end up getting the short end of the stick but Rosencrantz starts and, and he says we might as well be dead do you think death could possibly be a boat no 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 death is not death isn't you take my meaning. Death is the ultimate negative. Not being. You can't not be on a boat. I've frequently not been on boats. No, no, no. What you've been is not on boats.
1: <laughs> I always love uh, Sean's kind of reading reading through them. And also the, maybe we need to start getting these Shauna's video shows to get the, the full, full effect to the listeners. But I think they can feel that energy coming through the audio format as well. But Lots of fun diving into those topics on today's show. Really enjoy doing these shows. So any further questions you may think that myself or Sean should answer over the, the coming months, it's probably something we're going to keep throughout the off-season as well. Um, You know, sometimes it will be quieter news days. I think it'll be something that could be very, very fun to do throughout the year. For anyone who's been listening to the show for a long time, we pretty much keep going 52 weeks a year. So we'll we'll try and keep that going. We may, may not be able to do three shows all off-season, but we'll see what we can come up with for the listeners to to enjoy along but anything you're enjoying on the show that you would like to see more of whether it's this show whether it's uh, some of the the fantasy content on the fantasy shows send it my way let me know if you have any questions you'd like to hear us answer let me know as well you can do that by tweeting or dm and or emailing me whichever way you want to do it i'm on twitter at over to marlin you can email me at over to at gmail.com or you can email Radio at gmail.com as well if you want to sign up for a Rotoviz NFL pass and you haven't done so already, or maybe you have and you're going to re up that subscription, you can do so using the code radio 2021 Save yourself 10% from a subscription package. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools up on the Rotoviz website. You can find out more information at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at overtime Ireland, and of course, my co host and quote expert is sean siegel who you can also follow on twitter but you probably won't get any interaction sean is still waiting for i think the magic number was two hundred thousand was that sean the the number that we're getting you back on twitter at
2: yeah i mean why not shoot for something
1: yeah so we're probably not going to see sean back on on twitter in the near future but um he is there at ff underscore contrarian but check out his work you'll always find it up on com. it's always a fantastic read and until we're back with another show have a good one